Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as a kind gentleman we know only as Robin Weed shares his stories of successfully helping folks fight late-stage cancer using Rick Simpson oils and pressed cannabis rosins, which trigger amazing reactions from our body's endocannabinoid systems. Not for profit, but to relieve suffering. And the dream of a world where everyone is just a little bit nicer to each other. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Volelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 123. They're stacking up. Um, tonight is a really interesting interview with a man with no name because he can't be identified because what he does is uh, not exactly in compliance with uh, the federal government, but it is his sort of mission to help heal people who are, you know, grasping for their last straws, uh, looking for the Hail Mary, as he says. We're really happy to bring this interview to you, so we'll get to that lickety split. Um, this was recorded probably like February, so there are some things inside of it that'll be a bit dated, but um, it's still the story is very evergreen, and it's a it's an interview we've been waiting to to hand out to you. So, quickly do a little business to help pay the bills a little bit around here. First of all, with the holiday season quickly approaching, Kiva cards are available. It enables you to give someone else a chance to make a loan to a borrower who who inspires them, and when the loan is repaid. They can do it and fund another loan with the same money over and over again. Kiva.org. Go check it out. It's great for those rotten little cousins who don't need another toy and might inspire a few of them to uh, learn that there's a bigger world that needs uh, some help out there. Kiva.org. Go check it out. We're going to bring 100000 with just our Drunken Taoist team's incredible efforts. I can't wait for it to happen. And you're certainly going to hear about it when it does. Dot to Sarah. DSgear.com. Let me tell you, all the hemp awesomeness from geese to awesome backpacks, to satchels, to just so many great things. But the one I just spied are the awesome beanies. Blue or green or black or gray, each awesome in its own way. You got to check them out. That would be a great gift for somebody who's got a cold head. As usual, Chris will take good care of you. DSgear.com, Dots with Sarah. And, of course, our friends at Onnit, O-N-N-I-T.com. Coffees, salts, oils, protein bars. Bison jerky? That's just the food section. Our favorite new thing is the incredible Han Solo yoga mat. As you can see, there are hundreds of different things. Uh, Kettlebells of all shapes and sizes, crazy uh, battle ropes, uh, the awesome maces that you can swing around and get your muscles pumped up. All kinds of fine products. O-N-N-I-T on it.com. Go and check it out. And if you're listening to the uh, fresh version of this, Onnit's got a Black Friday sale coming up, so you definitely want to check that out. Uh, as this episode comes out, it'll be just a few days away from happening, so jump in and check it out. 
and of course our friends at Sure Design. Uh, just looked at the, the website moments ago, SureDesignTshirts.com. Incredible variety of awesome patterns and types of shirts or dresses and all kinds of awesome things. Yin yangs, fierce octopuses, peace signs. They got pretty much it all. Suns and moons, Yodas, not Yodas, Buddhas. They do have Buddhas. As always, there are discount codes in the episode notes at thedrunkendowis.com. Check us out there. And while you're there, you might want to take a peek at our awesome Amazon portal. Step inside that through our website. Do your shopping as you normally do. And we get a, a little piece of, of, the, of the action. And none of it increases your price at all. It comes off of Amazon's end. It's their way of kind to support operations like ours. And we sure do appreciate it. Support the folks that support us. Now, here's a quick little piece before we get started of us discussing uh, how perilous... Robin Weed's journey is because what he does is not in any way endorsed by the federal government. But you'll find that his stories are pretty incredible and the, the help is real and it seems like a medicine is being kept from the people. Well, there's a good chance that I could go away for a long time at any second. We don't want any of that. I just don't want to get you in any trouble in any way. That's that's the thing. It's like we, we actually had a little conversation about this the other day. Like moving concentrates which is what heals people yeah there's this weird classification right now where if you concentrate the cannabis down into its oil right oh well that's no longer just a felony it's like you're trying to fuck the government over or something so they they increase the penalty they incre- everything gets increases by like fivefold well maybe we should just have a story about delivering these awesome tomatoes that make people feel better well, I mean that's the other thing we had talked about was like you could say Hypothetically, if you were going to oh, do well, it, oh well, all like of this, this is hypothetical, for right. sure. Every word of this. And then, uh... Let's get rolling. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, everybody sounds good. Let's do it. Joining us today, hypothetically, will be a man who cannot be named. So we'll, I think, reach the other night on the phone. What was it? Uh, Robin Weed. Robin Weed. Because um, a whole conversation about Robin Hood got seemingly very appropriate nickname, Robin Weed, in light of what we're going to tell you about the good man. But hello, good man. Hello. Um, good to have you here. It's good to be here. Uh, you are... Uh, so let's start. Where do we even start with this? There let's are... start with 20 million people are going to lose their insurance in a few minutes. More than ever, the capacity to be able to help people dealing with terrible pain seems to be like the finest thing you could do. Yeah. I mean, where would you start? We've teaching cancer, people how to make it Cancer's at an all-time high. Tumors yeah. are at all-time high. Everybody's getting sick. Medicine's getting more expensive. Like you said, the insurance is leaving us. So... You find what works, and you do it without question of So there's a great place to start. It does work. It works. The only people who don't believe it is the FDA. The only people that don't believe it are the people that are uninformed that it actually works, and the people that are being paid to tell you that it does not work. So let's start with the basics. In that sense, for those who are not into 
the details of the discussion. What exactly are we talking about? Are we talking about kind of the equivalent of the Simpson oil? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying cannabis in general on any level, regardless of how it's ingested? Are we, and I guess the question is what works and for what? To bring everybody up to speed. Everything works. And it's dependent on how your body processes each individual extraction method or your preference. Mm Mm-hmm. There's not a, there's not a fix all for anything. So it's, you know, there's a lot of different strains of cannabis. Yep. There's a lot of different chemical profiles. The terpenes, you know, are all all different. Everything's a little different. Mm -hmm. So you basically find what works for you. You can, you know, find a, a professional or somebody that's used it or somebody that knows a little more about it. You go to that person, you explain to them what's going on with you and, you go from there. You try to, you know, start slow. Like like you said, you mentioned the Rick Simpson oil. Yep. That's a really good one to start with. That's a, an alcohol extraction. Wonderful place to start. A lot of people now are moving more towards an ice extraction or a presser, pressure extraction. And and actually a solventless right. movement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I like that better. Everything that I do is ice water or press. What well, do they do for, like, the essential oils you see, like... Rose petals and orange blossom and stuff like that. Ice water. That's ice water as well. It's not. It's never steamed. Is that some of it is a steam distillation process, and it pretty much depends on what pro- type of product I think you want to end up with. Okay, but, but for, I've never heard of the ice. It sounds like it should definitely work. I've run rose as petals it cracks through my the ice oil. Packs. The oil obviously freezes at a higher temperature, and you just pour it off. Is that how that works? It washes the oil off. The oil will float to the top, and you sieve everything through. Nice. And then everything just collects at the bottom. There's different microns. And no hexane. Right. So I guess the thing is, you have been taking this knowledge that you have uh, of a lot of different things. And in this case, you're applying it to the use of marijuana as uh, uh, for its healing potentials. So in this sense, you know, you hear in the last few years in particular, you know, the whole legalization of medical marijuana in a bunch of different places. Then now it's becoming legalization even of recreational in some places. Uh, there's obviously more and more evidence popping up regarding the potential of cannabis uh, to work as a medicine, which is why a bunch of people are flocking to it. At the same time, as we are saying before starting to record, at a federal level, the word marijuana with medical it's a big no-no. Correct. Because according to the federal government, there is no benefit whatsoever, and as such, it's still a Schedule One drug. Right. So you're kind of in this weird legal limbo where, technically speaking, some of the stuff you do is probably legal at a state level, but it's not legal at a fed. definitely right. not legal at a federal level. So it puts you in this ambiguous legal uh, zone. Even at a state level, for what I'm doing, if you take somebody, a regimen or a round of uh, the Simpson oil or the the cannabis oil or mm-hmm. whatever, enough to heal their ailment. Yeah. It usually exceeds any amount that you're legally able to transport at one time. Mm-hmm. What about, did you see Dallas Buyers Club? Or are you familiar with that guy who put together? No. Essentially, he was able to get medicine for AIDS patients from Mexico and put them into a kit and sort of deliver them. Would something like that be possible to kind of dodge or... Because it's a Schedule One, there's nothing you can do about it. I think there'd be nothing you could do about it. I bet if a, I bet if a big pharmaceutical company was bringing it across. Oh, for sure. They just charge us triple for, sure. for well, it. Well, they've tried to do that with Marinol. 
What? Marinol's not legal anymore? Well, I mean, it's it's legal, but it's legal because they sen- synthesized it. Right. Isn't that the craziest thing in the world? Yeah. Here's some man-made version of this great stuff that grows like crazy with almost nobody watching it. Here you go. Here's seeds. See you in three months. That's it. So you decided to go down this path instead and to do work with marijuana as medicine, regardless of what the federal government may say about it. It wasn't so much that I decided mm-hmm. to do it because I had decided to do something else. Right. And uh, I really would still rather be doing that if if I was for you know doing what I wanted to do for fun. Sure. But it's one of those things where you can only hear of the people around you dying so much. Yeah. And I also have some direct connections to hospitals where I hear a lot of stories coming from these places and when you hear a doctor tell somebody we don't we can't do anything for you yeah. because there's no man-made drugs out there that I can get a kickback from to give you to prolong your life for the next 2 weeks or whatever or make it 17% more pleasant yeah which is a gift at that point so and what they do give you <clears throat> is usually comes with so many side effects that they have to write you six more prescriptions yeah. <sighs> of course no, and in fact, that's one of the things regarding most of the drugs for some serious heavy diseases. The drugs sometimes, on one end, you need them because that's the only thing you can do. On the other end is the stuff that then you need six more things to try to fix the problems created oh, yeah. by. So you have this old conundrum. Whereas, So in that sense, when we talk about the medical effect of cannabis, what are, would you say, the main things that you use, that you use it for? that people can gain benefit for what's the um, the quick lowdown the quick lowdown would be to familiarize yourself at an elementary level with the endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. that your body already contains yeah and then understand that in order to fill the endocannabinoids cannabis is the best bet there are endocannabinoids found in plants that you can get at a minimal level and we're not trying to say that there's not any else out there, but there's there's a direct alignment between all mammals on this planet with that one plant that you you really can't deny. And any ailments starting off the endocannabinoid system can manifest a million different ways. Mm-hmm. You can have uh, immune deficiency, or you know it's. It, it it heals so much that it's almost like a throw this at it first. That's exactly it, what it, it is. It ends up being the last resort. What is the relationship, I guess, between the endocannabinoid system and uh, your uh, immune system? To my understanding, and here I'm, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not probably as educated about it as I should be, just based off of lack of time to sure. educate myself, uh, it's it's the base basic monitoring system for the immune system. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a more primitive system than your your nervous system or your immune yeah. system. And in order for everything else to run smoothly, it needs to be operating at an operable level. Okay. All right. An exciting uh, probably three weeks ago announcement that. As far as the immune system goes, they've discovered a whole new element of it that is like discovering a new continent on the planet right now. Just to prove once again, we know so little about how it all yeah. interconnects. That totally makes sense. 
So it is exciting times. And imagine those would open up the keys. Hey, try these guys. They will help you out. It's why it's here. If we can ever get past the system that's in place in order to make that happen. Endocannabinoid system, then we have these now growing evidence and because it has not been done in like super scientific study yet because it was illegal because you couldn't do super scientific studies a lot of it got dismissed by the federal government as anecdotal evidence but you know anecdotal evidence if it's the stuff that you see in front of you that saves somebody who would not otherwise be alive as a result of it it's kind of a big deal you don't just dismiss it as so in your experience what, like one of the most dramatic claims regarding the medical use of cannabis is the whole idea that certain kind of tumors can be either slowed down or flat out healed as a result of it. Clearly, at a time when, as you said at the opening, there's like tumors at an all time high, people dying of cancers is becoming like the new big epidemic in a way. And the fact that despite gazillion of dollars being poured in, there still is no specific cure for a type of tumor in that way. The, um, or, a, or a rather a, a trouble-free cure, you know, because what normally given as the standard cure for cancer comes with its tons of problems, never mind the fact that then often then cancer returns. And you're all... So one of the big claims is, I mean, if this is the real deal, if cannabis can have an impact on tumors, that alone, forget about the 7,000 other things that people use cannabis in medicine for, but that alone would be completely heart-shattering. What has been your experience in this regard? Um, yeah, let's leave it at that, and then I'll go with further question from there. Well, just as far as tumors, I guess it hits pretty close to home because I just lost a patient a couple of weeks ago that had brain tumors, and I can tell you that... <clears throat> Just a quick rundown on his story was it he he was brought to me or we were introduced to each other. He was given six weeks to live. So it was basically, can you help make him comfortable for the last six weeks of his life? Well, I came in with a different energy and a different understanding of what the medicine that I have can do to tumors. So we, we started him on a pretty hardcore regimen of the Simpson oil and some pressed rosin which is produced under pressure and we were actually he was ingesting the simpson oil and he was sticking the pressed rosin up his ass because that's i get i mean i know it because you told me but for everybody else who's right now having like a timeout moment or like what just happened there why is he sticking uh, what's the reason for that? And that's the Other reason. Than the fact that he may tickle him the right way. It's kind of the reason that I would hit it in such a blunt way is so that your brain can trigger in to understand that if you're if it's not being processed through the digestive system and then through the liver, it's it's more of a direct bloodline connection. Right. So it's taking the last sip before its way out. There you go. Yes. It's, yes. It's uh, it's a method that I've started to try to push people towards. I don't, but not with the vodka kids. That's crazy. I, I don't read about personally that. Don't put that. it up there, but when it's, it's time, it's one of those things that you know if it works. Yeah, yeah, it works. of course. So you use this with him. I use this with him, and we we made it through three months uh, of just beautiful growths. He was able to start moving his legs again. It was. Uh, it was amazing. And then there were some setbacks that I'd rather not go into. And then 
we started we had we had basically had to start over. So when we started over, we we basically removed the Simpson oil and went to a ice water press pressed rosin. And from that point, we begin to see leaps and bounds of goals and movement. And he he got up and walked for the first time in months. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And then for other reasons, there was a time, a short time period. And all this is over the, about six months. Mm-hmm. But so he, he thought he had six weeks when he got home. He thought he had six weeks. And then at like month five, there was another issue to where they were going to start finding the medicine themselves. Somebody had told them they thought they could get it for them easier and better, cheaper, whatever. So that was fine. They they were going to do it themselves. There was about a three-week period that I didn't see him because I was traveling and doing some Mm -hmm. other things. And then when I showed back up into town, he had been off of the medicine for those whole three weeks. And he had withered away into a little gray. The tumors had grown. His eyes wouldn't focus. He was completely paralyzed. He was unresponsive. He just kind of shook. So we we immediately hit him back with the same rosin. Yep. We went with a little higher dosage. And we spread it out up the anus cavity in different capsules so that there would be multiple little beads of medicine laying mm-hmm. there instead of one big glob. And within 24 hours, he gained color back. Within 48 hours, his eyes focused. He was talking to his kids. And he was able to spend Christmas with them this year and talk and enjoy it and have not not a life like you or I or probably half the people listening would appreciate. But But at that point, 30 seconds is awesome. There was able to be, you know, that one last holiday to where his wife said, you know, She's, she's, her interpretations, we've only got you to, she's, what she meant was there's only the medicine to thank for this. There's mm-hmm. only the one thing that was done differently to thank for this, you know, which was the cannabis. That's the only thing we did different. What do you think is done? Why is it, for example, that some people, you hear the stories of people getting fully cured from crazy things, doesn't come back. Other people, you may have this kind of experience that you mentioned, lengthen the life, makes conditions a little more pleasant. Uh, other cases where you don't, what do you, why so many different reactions to, to this? Why it's, is it? Cause I mean, of course in everybody's mind is the idea is, oh, if two cures tumor, so any, anybody who for any tumor whatsoever uses the, the oil, they will all be healed. And that's clearly not the reality either. And right. you're saying, you know, there is a lot of healing. It does not mean that every person who try for any possible issue at well, all. I think if, if all tumors were created equal, mm-hmm. it would be an easier brush stroke to right. cover. But having 10 million outside, uh, you know, causing factors that can cause tumors from anything. Right. You know, preservatives to electromagnetic fields. There's... You know what? Which one will hit what tumor? Yep. So you, you, we hit it with the cannabis, and then you can start going from there. You right. Know? Like by the end of my friend's life, we had had him on the cannabis around the middle of the treatment. They they switched over to an all alkaline water diet to where he wasn't mm-hmm. taking anything anything acidic in. Yeah. And we were actually trying to 
check the pH of his urine to really get him in a balance of alkalinity yeah. to, without taking him too far. So we we start when I came in, we started him with one medicine and then started fine tuning it where like today if you go in and you've got cancer, they hit you with chemo. Yeah. And they try to wipe everything out. And then they come back and see, you know, well, then maybe this will work. Maybe this will, maybe you should try the cannabis Yeah, to where they've already beat you down. There's, okay. And that was the case here. Like yeah. he was already, by the time you saw him, he was already in a, he was already in a terrible situation. Right. And interesting enough, his, he's had family members with the same ailment. And so has every other house in the village where he grew up so there's clearly some serious environmental cause everybody which... in the past 55 years has in that village has either had tumors or cancer they built it on a radon gas mine 57 years ago they Jeez. put a chemical plant in upriver oh and they got the water fresh so from the chemical plant it's it's like drawing a line in the sand saying from everybody from here on out has to deal with our shit. Yep. Damn. And there's so much of that. And I think that's one of the problems that you're hitting at is there are so many different causes. That's, yeah, that's that just one. Everywhere we turn, there's something that there are potentials to pick really screw up, up any, your body in modern civilization. Pick up any food container that's sitting beside you right now and try to pronounce everything on there. All right. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Half the shit's not even, yep. you know... Anything you yeah, there's the stuff from food. There's, as you say, electromagnetic fields. Try there's... to take some of your food out of this country and see if they lead it. Right, right, right. No, no, it is crazy. So in that sense, you're, like when somebody shows up to you saying, hey, I got these issues, can you help me? There is an element of, I'm sure I can help in some way, but how much, how deep will it go? Will it be a full healing? Will it be a just making you more comfortable? that's all to be seen right for sure and that's been one of the the things that i've enjoyed out of i guess this experience more than anything is that i'm going to be able to help you physically a little bit for sure there's no doubt right but mentally i've i've learned that like that's that's the other thing that i can help you know my part cannabis can do its part but i can do i can do something too Hmm. so i can try to make you know just make the air thin, make everybody happy, you know, come in with good energy. You, you never want to walk into a sick person's house and complain about anything going on with you. Of course, of course. That seemed <laughs> like a safe, one. Uh, yeah. Because if, if you think you're having a fucking bad oh, day, just list, let me tell you no, a couple of stories. Exactly. Of oh course. My God. No, of course. No, that that's for sure. I've done that, by the way. There were been cases where, like, had few months ago I had like a student come in and was all crying and I asked and like they told me about their life and it was very first world problems which I know if you haven't had anything else they are hard but you know so just for the sake of I was like you know and I started by showing some personal story to her kind of just to give her a frame of reference it was pretty impressive how quick the tears dried up and she was like I got nothing to complain about yeah. life is great well that's, an, that's another thing that I've learned is that you can start calling people on on their bullshit and bad energy pretty quickly, as you very right. well learned when I showed up. It, if there's nothing to complain about, don't complain. Yeah. Please, you know, let's just all be happy that, yeah. that we're somewhat healthy. 
And so in that sense, you are back to the Robin weed, I guess, is part of what you do is that you have you haven't exactly got into it because you want to make a bunch of money on this. A ton of these is purely you giving away stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't make any profit off of it at all. Right. I just I try to produce a lot of it myself. Right. Which is tricky based off of square footage and yeah. location and there's a plethora of factors that we can Course. But what I've got is a few really good friends that are also in this same industry. And these guys will cut me amazing deals. They give me stuff at cost. They they give me stuff sometimes just to try. Right. I mean I've 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 got a pretty good network of guys that that I've worked with that are they're they're in it for the same reason. They don't they want to see how how good of a medicine they can yeah. produce. And then as long as they get a little bit, you know, money I mean we're able to sell just for instance, uh, right now in Los Angeles, I think a gram of the, probably the finest press is uh, between fifty to eighty bucks. Yep. I'm assuming. So I'm getting it for like thirty, right? And I sell it for thirty. Yeah. Sometimes I ask them to pay for the postage, right? And handling because there's sometimes some gas or right. Sometimes the methodology requires it to be shipped or moved from yep. one place to the next. Yeah, that's so. That's interesting right away because again, it's not the standard. It's exactly the opposite of the pharmaceutical industry, where everything is about the bottom line and money. Yeah. Your approach, you come from a very different place. Incidentally, let me mention already. I already apologize to you guys because some of you may be dealing with some really heavy shit, and you'll be like, "This sounds really damn interesting. Please put me in touch." I don't know that we can do it because for obvious legal reasons, there are uh, issues with that. You know, there it can be a little complicated. So if we can't, I apologize in advance. Um, but that's kind of the nature of the business as long as the laws are what they are, which is why we're not using the good man's name just in case because it seems uh, needlessly... It's one thing to take risks. It's one thing to be stupid. And uh, I think for sure that would be a good thing if you got to do what you do for a long time and not have to pay heavily in uh, as a result of archaic laws. It would. And I would also say this, that if somebody felt like this was their last effort mm-hmm. and if they've reached out to you in a Hail Mary, that something could be done. Right. Right. I, I, I would never... No, my issue, the reason why I say that is because, of course, when you have some random person that you don't know who send you a message. For sure. The odd is it's really a poor person who's dealing with crap. Or the other odd is uh, some good narc who heard enough and said, ah, I think I want to get my hand on this guy. They should just know that prior to writing the letter to the drunken Taoist, know that your ass is going to be researched. Right. So if you are that guy that thinks you're the hitman that's coming after me, you're the narc, look for that little red dot. <laughs> on that note, on the little red dot, please do tell a story that you were sharing last night over an alligator dinner, because as we're going to get into, the man is, yeah, Isabella is about ready to cry how happy she is just remembering eating alligator. How was it? Did you like it? Yes, so we have a testimonial for it. But beside that, which we're going to get into that other side of your life. Um, 
you are telling me a story about a friend of yours who decided to be rude and insensitive in racial terms to a... I'm sorry, uh, some dude was rather insensitive to your friend. So, yes. I have a really, really, really close friend. I consider him, as, I consider him a brother. And he happens to be black. And... As, as many people know on Facebook, you can pretty much say what you want. There's no repercussions for your actions. You can throw whatever out yeah. there and see what sticks. <clears throat> well, I don't live by those rules. I think if you do something, you should be fully aware that there could be repercussions for your actions. So a friend of mine gets called a nigger on Facebook, and he's just blasting my friend. And where I come from, which is the deep south, you can no. pull that off you? if I... you're close. <laughs> but if you're not really close friends, you better watch what you say. So this guy went off on my friend. And I happened to be leaving one side of the country, driving to the other side of the country the next day or the day after. And I noticed this guy that is using all these racial slurs to so my friend is from St. Louis. And that's on the way. That's right on my way. <laughs> I stopped there anyway. So I think it was the next day because he had inspired the shit out of me. I jumped up, was loaded, struck off, pulled into St. Louis. This idiot, like most people, had his phone number on his page. So I called him up. I said, hey, bro, what's going on? Oh, not a lot, man. Do I know you? Who is this? I said, nope. You don't know me at all. But... You, you called a friend of mine a nigger on Facebook yesterday, and I'm pretty tore up about it. So I left Colorado this morning, and I'm sitting in St. Louis. Where were you going to meet? Within just a few minutes, he had deleted that comment off of my friend's page. <clears throat> he had deleted his Facebook page. <laughs> and I want to say that that phone number was changed the next day because me and my buddy were calling it to just... Jazz him up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. And it, <laughs> he was moving that day. He doo -doo -doo. wasn't taking any calls. This number is no longer in service. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Damn. But yeah, that's, that's so again, back to the narc point. Yes. you. That, this is not exactly the man that people want to mess with, but um, that seems safe to say. What about people who are not dealing with dramatic last minute condition that is panic time and you're throwing the Hail Mary? What about, you know, as you mentioned, the endocannabinoid system is something that's in everybody and it is stimulated by THC. Right. Um, so the point is there is something to be said about the preventive slash maintenance use of THC. What should be somebody who uh, doesn't have as particular issues, they just want to kind of use it in a medical preventive slash maintenance way, what would be the ideal thing for somebody like that to do? I think the ideal method to consume the product or the plant would be, and this is a personal opinion, there's a few other people that agree with me, I would say consume it like every other mammal on the planet, which is eat it raw, just like a salad, just like you're supposed to do for healthy yeah. lifestyle now, is eat more salad, you know? Uh like you and I had spoke about this yesterday. If you if you put this plant outside, every mammal on the planet walks up and eats it. And they'll eat it primarily before they'll eat any other plant in the yard. 
we are the only ones that have decided at some point, and it's just our fault we've lost the connection. We decided, you know what we should do is burn it. <sighs> and that's, I mean, you're you're still getting some of the medicine. You still get some of the benefits, but not as, as much, much as you should. Course. That being said, hypothetically, if a person were to have, say, a lot of leaves around that are nice and crystally, sprinkle it on your salad for everybody? For, for sure. For sure. It's just, just a great be, way to get rid of it. Be fully aware that if you use a fatty dressing, you are going to be high as balls. <laughs> Roger that. Because it'll just help in the uptakes. No, the fat of the oil will decarboxylate it, and right. you're going to get high. So I would suggest maybe going with less dressing. <laughs> you know. So you eat the plant, but staying away for fat for about three hours before and after, and you're not really getting you won't high. Really get high. You're getting the medical benefits. You get all without. the medical benefits. But if you make the oh, mistake of throw, having a spoonful of ice cream or something like that, be ready to see the stars. Because yes, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so that would be, and I guess that would be even in terms of simplicity, that would solve the problem of dosage. Because when you're talking about THC affecting you where it really hits you and gets you high, as we have tested recently, dosage is a big deal because you go from like this much having no effect on you to this much making you just fall on the floor. Right. And then, uh, it's such a powerful drug or medicine that any little variation away yeah. can put your mind over the edge if, especially if you're not used to the thc yeah which is the cannabinoid that most people are familiar with and i guess that's step two because what you said as the ideal scenario is for people who basically grow their own so you have access to a lot because if you are eating it as a salad you're not talking about you know in terms of if you are putting a financial value to it eating it in that way would be a ton lot of money because if you had to buy it so of course oh, yeah. this is something that you need to have in your yard it's fresh it doesn't cost you the same amount. For the people who don't grow or don't have the occasion to grow, what would be the next best uh, maintenance preventive thing? What what mean to get it? Because, of course, if you are buying the actual flower, it would cost a whole lot. So you're going to something else. What would be the next best approach? The next best approach, if you can't grow it yourself, would be to try to align yourself with a grower or mm -hmm. get a medical card to where you could align yourself yeah. with a grower. If you have to buy this at a dispensary, you're, you're going to pay the top dollar and it's yeah. going to cost you a lot of money to do this. Right. So the, the system that we have right now is a complete failure for everything that we need to do to have it with this plant. Right. Let's just get that out there that, the the recreational coming up and stepping on the medical and all the sick people being forced back into the pharmaceutical it's the, it's exactly backwards of how anybody wanted this to go down yeah so if you can't find a grower to align yourself to help you find good clean medicine you probably are going to be pushed to a dispensary and then you're going to pay top dollar per gram for medicine that you hope is clean yeah, but that's the other thing. You don't know because you, you don't know what know. has been used to get the concentrate. One you don't point know what that they fed. somebody was bringing to me is that exactly if you use a bunch of pesticide on top of something that then you make concentrate out of, 
what are you taking into your body? Yeah, you're taking the THC. You're also taking concentrated a lot of pesticides. Nasty, exactly. That's so. That's the other issue where you really need to know where it comes from. And there's there's testing in place now. Yeah. You know, all the dispensaries now have tests. But even when you look at some of the testing facilities and some of the the tolerances that they're allowing for certain variables, it's just not acceptable. Right. I've been looking for a name for my punk band for thirty years, and you just you just nailed it. Concentrated pesticide. Nice. Tonight well, at the that out. <laughs> <laughs> the That's so, just a terrifying notion, and it's totally yeah. correct. So what do we do to go about fixing this? The drug companies run everything. They happily are aligned with the federal government to keep everybody from making this happen. We're sort of in a bit of a, a Here, trap. Here's what we need to do. The system that's in place right now needs to be torn down into a more tribal type. Where we take mindset. care of each other? Yep. Where well, It's funny because Paul Ryan is exactly saying that right now. He wants to take all the sickest people and put them into the big risk pool. And these are the only people that will qualify for any medical care. And it's madness. Because the, we the should large, be doing that, but in a community basis. The groups of people have to split down into smaller groups of people. You, yeah. can't, you can't walk out here and care about everybody equally in Los Angeles. There's too much. Just, the care would be spread too thin. Yep. You know, you've got to have a smaller group to where you know that person. There's a connection with that person. You know, that person helped raise you, you know. And that's, that would fix it immediately. That would, that would wipe it out. That would wipe out the, most of the issues with children and the Well, just the thought that all the people can be taken care of together as well. You know, all your elderly are taking care of the people that raised you. Everybody lends a hand. Well, the, you've got to provide your food and your medicine for your tribe, your group, or whatever. If you if there's no mindset of where does all this come from, well, then you don't know what you would do if it stopped. You know, like I know what I would do if mine stopped. I would start another garden right beside the one that just failed. You know, right. I would figure out exactly why that happened, and I would just plant some stuff over here. So, and I guess you did make that a couple of the pillars of your life. This whole idea of uh, not being reliant of even the existence of a state or of civilization as we know it, or all of all of that stuff. Yeah. And both in terms of medicine, in this case, primarily with cannabis, but not only. Uh, in terms of, you just mentioned, growing your food, both is in growing, as well as one of the things we're going to get into in five minutes, you are big time into hunting. Right. Hunting in a way that, like last night, you were telling me, you basically provide food for, like, multiple families throughout right. the year, where that's kind of another big deal. That's an interesting one. We have uh, one thing regarding the health aspect. We were talking the last couple of days about the, your use of the Wim Hof method and slightly exactly. modified through your own experience, but basically the whole... So, you know, you have all these different things that basically the common thread there is making life good. Sure, Even Survival. if you did not have access to modern medicine, you did not have access to a supermarket, you did not have access to all of that stuff. Right. Well, you think about the first things when you're small... You learn that you need food to survive, you need shelter to survive, and you need clothing to survive. Yep. Well, that those three things should be the first three things you learn. You know, learn learn to feed yourself first, yep. primarily, and then if you can learn to make shelter, man, you've got it whipped because you can probably find clothes 
you know? Or at least get the idea of them along yeah. the way. If not, get with me and I'll teach you how to brain tan and we'll sit around and sew some loincloths. <laughs> you know, it's not that difficult. Right. But then you've got everything for survival basically covered. And anything yeah. past that starts getting, you know, easy. It's like the gravy. Yeah. What's sad is they're learning how to use a cell phone first. And once that takes hold, nothing else matters. Can you imagine what the world would be like three days into the electricity not working anymore? Oh. I heard that if, if, if that day comes in the truck stop, L.A. is out of food in three days. Imagine what day five in L.A. would be like, like hot and in the summer with no food. Well, I, I have a theory that if, if like the situation or the scenario you said happened, humans would make it 24 hours before they would go. A, a percentage of them would turn cannibalistic. You think we'd eat each other that quick? It rained out here for a couple of days. <laughs> and lost you guys minds. were freaking out going and buying the milk and the bread out of the stores. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to pretend it's one of those four-week winters once in a while. <laughs> so you're giving it uh, cannibalism is the next step, 24 right? hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even playing. Right. The... Um, on that note, I think every <laughs> podcast is made better by some cannibal reference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think every story is being made better. But, but um, so yeah, one of the other, I guess since we're still on the medicine, let's mention the Wim Hof thing. Like you started experimenting really early with it. Um, you have been at it for a while. And for a while, a couple of years, maybe a little longer. Yeah, which considering that Wim Hof emerged on public consciousness thanks to podcasts, largely Tim Ferriss, later Rogan, uh, probably about a year and a half ago or something. That's you were at the very, very beginning of I, when it became big. Of course, yeah. I'm sure he had Wim at people next to him. You know. I may have been a year ahead of the curve. Right. Or a year ahead of the yeah. bubble busting yeah. and everybody understanding it. And mine was primarily because I was moving to an area where it was pretty well known that if you fell into the water, you could get hypothermia and die. Right. So I didn't want that to happen, you know, but I did want to get in the water. So I stumbled across this, and it was working, and I tried it, and I was I was in a state where there was a lot of cold water, and I was able to go get in it, and I the 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 theory made sense to me because I had done a lot of like kayaking and uh, whitewater rafting in a lot of cold water, and you get to a point where you're having so much fun that you kind of warm up and you kind of don't care anymore, mm -hmm. and you can see this. If you don't believe that it exists in little kids, you can send them outside in the winter and tell them you can play as long as you want to out there, but don't get cold. They'll go out there and play all day, and they won't get cold because they mind their breathing. They're having fun. Yeah. They don't know they're going to get hurt. So I, I really got into it, and I I started it pretty deep when I moved, after, post my move. And uh, it's it's probably one of the – it's one of the most influencing factors that I've had in my adult life. And I guess um, I apologize because I introduced without really giving background. Now I'm assuming that the majority of people listening now are familiar with the Wim Hof method, at least having heard of it. If you haven't, you know, because of podcasting again, largely early on Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, uh, Wim Hof being this Dutch man who experimented now for probably decades by now, with breathing techniques and exposure to cold. And the theory being, and again, I'm summarizing probably hours of podcasts I've listened sure. to on these in about six seconds, but the theory being that 
these kind of breathing techniques and the cold exposure allow you to tap into certain aspects of your own physiology that will greatly enable you to do things that are not normally considered possible which is why Wim Hof has been able to do this thing of like climb the Himalaya in his shorts and with no supplemental oxygen or do all of this stuff that's considered physically impossible by most people and one of the arguments that Wim Hof makes is this is not me being some strange mutant in X-Men style this is something that can be taught that other people can learn and this is how you do it so you have his own methodology for how to go about it you have actually stepped up very early and decided to take him on in terms of, you know, let's see if it, let's see if it's the real deal. Let me try it. You know, let's go find out. Because of I course, also... you know, it sounds cool, but so you decided to actually try. And because again, the Wim Hof thing, anybody like it when you hear it. The point is that you got to do it. Gotta and then it. that's when you find well, out whether it's as good as One of the things that was that that i liked about it was the fact that i was hunting in really cold areas and i didn't have to carry a lot of gear with me right you know and there was this this whole aspect of beginning to take control over outside factors Mm -hmm. you know and when you can tell somebody temperature no longer affects me I'll, i'll do that myself it's one of those things where they can't really grasp it but when you if you explain to somebody let's think of a few thousand years ago fast forward or rewind further than that go back 10,000 when we were groups of people chasing animals yeah when the animals swam across the river so did we right you know and we yeah. kept running it's not like you got there and you're like oh grocery store's closed <laughs> right you, know, you have to keep going so that's that's what I think that's something that Williams tapped back into and I would suggest that anybody as soon as this is over to go and do some research on the Wim Hof method and how do you use it because for example I understand you know you do a immersion in ice water so you do your breathing techniques then you jump in you stay in whatever long you get out but in some cases like what you're talking about is not just uh, I'm going in for this moment and then I get out is it can be a day-long thing where you're out the entire day in really cold temperatures how do you maintain the benefits of the initial breathing you know you take your 20 30 whatever many breaths the way he prescribed it how long does that keep you going before you have to take a break and do the same thing over what the the long lasting benefit is the the deep breathing that it trains you to maintain Mm -hmm. and the deep breathing will allow your body to stay at a more regulated ph level and without going into the hyperventilating which causes the blood to get acidic so what's the difference there like you because the way he for example the way he broke it down on rogan's podcast he was having him take i think was this 30 breaths or something very deep inhale quick and shallower exhale and again so you are taking in more oxygen than you are expelling and it will hyperventilate you after you hit too many of that as i found out by driving my car while trying that uh so you're driving while breathing sir that'll be a ticket so you're saying don't do that uh how do you use it instead for the for the cold water immersion it's a more controlled deep breathing sure so what you're doing is keeping your core from going into that internal shaking shallow breath yeah that's that's when the blood starts tanking so it's not so much about the the initial breaths like where wim does the preloading yeah, yeah. Where he loads the body with right. oxygen 
This is more of a, once your body and your brain is like, I'm cold, let's shake in order to produce a little bit of heat. Yeah. You tell your body, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to force myself to deep breathe. And then after a few minutes, your body will go into a state of ketosis and start burning fat. And when you are deep breathing like that, is how are you doing it that doesn't hyperventilate you? It's, it's more of a, just a focus, like exhale the lungs completely. Yeah. And then fully inflate them. Oh, so it's different from the Wim Hof thing. It's different because from you're, the preload or the, right. the beginning. So you do the preload initially, and then you're just talking about really deep inhale, yep. really deep exhale at the same time. Right. So now it becomes even, both really long. Right. And that you find useful in dealing with the cold over a long extended period of time. And that will help from dealing with the absolute coldest temperature that you can take. Yep. All the way to the absolute worst asshole in the grocery store. Right. So you think... It's almost the same. So if you are to, like, for the average person, you know, start every day, practice maybe the preload part. Sure. Once or twice or whatever many times. And throughout the day, basically as a habit, you try to go in... I would say retrain yourself to breathe in a deeper method the rest of the time that you're alive. So, and that's kind of like in your like today you don't have to worry about the cold you're just hanging out are you doing that kind of like you're pushing a little bit further than the normal person would their inhale and exhale or i would like to think yes because i've trained my body to do that yeah but i will also say that it's probably because we're in los angeles and this is like 60 degrees yeah it's really not cold of course you know so but there's, there's plenty of assholes. There, yeah, and the deep breathing will definitely fix that every time. Uh, so you do it without making a big deal of... You're just naturally, as you talk, as you do whatever, you're you, breathing extra deep. After you've done it for a few weeks, yeah. you kind of get addicted to feeling your lungs do that. That okay. last little, like, they're really tight. We don't really breathe tight. deep, do we? No. We, right. we sit shallow and quick. Super shallow, and that's why a lot of people get cold, and their fingers stay cold, your, your blood pH is just a little off. It's uh, it's just the way that we've trained ourselves. Would yeah. there be an effect from just doing this on athletic endurance, in terms of you have bigger lung capacity, kind of thing? Or I I think that you, the body would train itself to upload oxygen quicker and more regularly. Okay. So uh, yeah, I would think that like. So that would be a benefit for any athlete or anybody. Any athlete, yeah. Because you think, all right. In the beginning, there was peewee football or t-ball sure. or your first karate lesson or whatever. But like, And you're like, oh, well, that's why I got my basics. Okay, well, stop. Hold that thought for a second. When did you learn to breathe? So when did you practice that? Right. So did you, like, which teachers did you go to for that? No. Oh, you just kind of, and then one day the doctor slapped your ass and that was your first breath. That was your lesson? <laughs> right. Well, that's a pretty shitty lesson. Yeah. So, like, yeah, learn to breathe. It totally makes sense, right? What do we got there on... Um... Yeah, I've, uh, like I said, I've... Wim stood out to me in his method so much... Right. ...that I uh, I tattooed part of it on my arm. It says, breathe, motherfucker. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Oh, that's great. So that's, you consider another pillar in the health department, both in preventive, you know, using cannabis in a certain way, uh, breathing, particularly this kind of breathing techniques, a la Wim Hof, those being two key aspects that really anybody can do. It's just a matter of getting down with it and making it part of one's life. And the, the, the good thing about the breathing mm-hmm. is you can do it on your own for free. Right, exactly. You know, they can't tax you on that. Yeah. Right. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> we said it at the exact same moment. Damn it. We just gave everybody an idea. Right. Uh, and it's it's much easier to find than cannabis. Right. Yeah, you can. So start with that Take one. a breath. Right, of course. So, so can we tell hunting stories now? Yeah, because that's the other this aspect. Time is, just uh, sort of runs short. Uh, I don't want to miss out. If there's any like serious elements you want to cover, for sure. But otherwise. I'm sure there are four days, but. We can do it again sometime, too. For and, sure. I mean, we can do this as much uh, as you guys want. One notion ask. I've been asking people to think about, and I don't really want you to have an answer right now, but I would love for you to, a few weeks from now, if you have a moment to think about it, what would you want this world to be like in 30 years? In 30 years? Yeah. If you had the time to just start putting things in the right direction from, you know, just from why there's not a solar panel on every built structure in L.A. is beyond capacity. Man, 30 years is such a small window. But it's big at the same time. It, I mean, uh, Yeah. I mean, certainly. But to, to hope for a... I don't hope for a complete change. I just... Something going in the right direction. Let's, let's just hope that everybody would be a little bit nicer. Oh, man. Let's start there. That is a good start. If you just started with a little bit nicer. So compassion, everybody. Just be less judgmental. Oof. You know, don't let things impact you. Don't don't be so harsh to or quick to quick to judge. Judge or even you know react. Yeah. If you're gonna say something on the internet to somebody, make sure that you would say that to their face. That you know might I mean? have to be the new rule right which, there. Which doesn't mean make sure you learn to be out a tough motherfucker in person <laughs> it means be less of an asshole just in yeah. case you are wondering if you or be like... sure if you're that upset and you really mean it and you really would tell that person fire away but just to randomly be the cuntiest person you can to spread misery yeah <sighs> just know that there are people like me that'll drive to your front door <laughs> <laughs> right I've got nothing better to do on a Tuesday than drive to St. Louis <laughs> Or your hometown. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, on that stalkerish note, uh, speaking of the art of stalking, so one of the things that you have been big on for most of your life has been then providing your own food. In this case, partially by growing stuff, but even a lot through hunting. Sure. Um, you started as a kid, just kind of around family. It's it, Hunting is pretty prevalent in the South. Mm-hmm. And when I was young it seemed like one of the one of the like your your manhood is when you start hunting by yourself right right a passage for sure when you first sit in a deer stand all day by yourself or you know whatever that's you're you're starting to be a man you had a gun you know you were gonna kill something so it was it was pretty intriguing and for a lot of outside factors uh i was pushed to hunt really hard Mm -hmm. and it was just one of those things that I thought I was supposed to do was hunt, sit in a deer stand all day and you know, right. not make a sound. And so that I would start doing that and it, it just began to grow into duck hunting. I began to call ducks and calling all animals with a, a hand man-made call. It's just amazing to me. I love it. Right. And then it grew from the ducks into 
pretty much everything to where I was an adult. I moved out west and started guiding some some hunts for larger game, elk and things such as that. And now I think I've hunted about every every huntable mammal on the North American continent. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the things that you do keeping in line with uh, Robin Hood, uh, in this case, not Robin Weed, is Robin something else since it applies to this. Robin Vittles. Yeah, you have been, uh, one of the things you do is you have a lot for you to eat. You can sell some, but also there is a whole ton of stuff that you give for free to friends and family and everybody. So into a level where you are, what you do through hunting keeps a lot of people well fed throughout the year yeah well it, it allows me to give preservative free meat to any sick person that i'm helping so that way i know that i'm not fighting a losing battle right you know because if they're eating food that's full of yeah preservatives and antibiotics and stuff i don't i don't know what i'm dealing with yeah so of course it helps me keep a clean slate with them as, as well as other people yeah you know it i, I get to probably send on a bad year, a hundred pounds of like alligator meat, a couple hundred pounds of fish, a couple, or maybe a hundred or two hundred pounds of deer meat, you know. And then if we, if we shoot a buffalo or an elk, uh, there's a few extra hundred pounds, you know. If we get to go on a few hog hunts, hogs can stack up quickly. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things where I get a big kick of giving people a box of food as I do when I give them medicine for cancer or of course if i tell them a joke and they laugh it's all just like a the same little serotonin release to right me. of course <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big one right the uh, that part where the that connection between uh, quote-unquote enlightened selfishness and uh, and and generosity because you know there is of course you know nobody does things just because i'll do them for you we also because because it feels good right and not that there's anything wrong with that that's why i say it enlightens selfishness because it's about kind of doing something that feels good to you by really making everybody else it all boils Um, down to we're all addicted to the same drug that our brain releases right so it's a drug addiction (laughs) but uh, again out of all the drug addictions you can have probably generosity is one of the best ones serotonin is a nice one yeah that um and that i guess there are multiple angles on that that interest me on one level clearly you know there are when you talk about nutrition there's about everybody and their grandmother has an opinion that tend to be pretty strict and rigid about what's healthy and what's not what's there's a whole school of thought that argues that consuming uh eating meat is terrible not only for like we're not even talking about the people who argue along moral ethical reasons we're talking about the medical aspect the idea that so it's not even just because i mean one of the things that you do through hunting which is from an ethical standpoint excellent is the fact that you're completely bypassing the horrible system of factory farming that exists for a lot of how meat is raised that is abusive monstrous really just nasty for all the animals involved monstrous on so many levels right yeah and the fact that if you have meat that come from hunting it doesn't you know you don't have to deal with all that kind of horror so there's certainly an ethical aspect of it even in terms of animal suffering that is monstrously reduced as a result of relying on meat the way you do compared to the guy who buy at the grocery store some factory farm raised stuff 
But then there's the issue that people raise about the health of it, right? There are a bunch of people who argue, and again, that's the problem with science. Everybody can point to their own studies showing you these studies clearly show that eating meat is terrible for you and so on and so forth. I'm guessing that that's not how you feel. Well, I've, uh, I've come up with a foolproof, foolproof plan for this, which is I don't send vegetarians meat. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. pretty nice. It just it, you'd yeah. be amazed by like, okay, I'll just send that box somewhere else. Yeah, yeah of course. And then everybody stays happy. But I've noticed that the hungry people bitch very little oh, yeah. about what's in the box. Of Is this gluten free? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's not the issue. But I guess for you, in your experience, you found out. You know, for you, for your concern regarding your health and everything else. You're not really seeing too many problems with eating meat, obviously. I don't right. necessarily have a problem with meat consumption. I'm not telling people that to go out and eat a bunch every day or sure. overdo it or, you know, but I don't. And I, I actually enjoy the ethical taking of a lot of animals because I've enjoyed just as much as I enjoy eating a lot of plants. I've enjoyed eating mm-hmm. a lot of different animals. Right. And I'm sure a lot of them would enjoy eating me. <laughs> so sure know your place. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It could change very quickly. <laughs> You're telling me a story yesterday about some guy uh, taking his size off an alligator for a little too long and ending up with one arm less. Yeah. That's... It's- you know, you're you're not the top of the food chain everywhere you go. Not all the time. No. And that relationship can change really and fast. That's, that's something that so many people have forgotten that I, I really think that's that's a connection point we should probably get a little closer to. That may be another 30-year goal. There you go. They're starting to spill out. Definitely. And in that sense, though, you have been doing it your whole life. You have been... Uh, the, um, are there kinds of hands that bug you on... Uh, you know, like the ethics of hunting, I guess. Where, where for you, where is the line for you? If if a guy comes out and he wants to kill something that's larger than his friend or he just wants to do it so that somebody will think that he's a man or, you know, yeah. I'm not really into hunting with that guy. Right. The guys that I like to hunt with, I tend to hunt with more primitive hunters, with bow hunters. Right. I really appreciate the guys that are hunting with bow. That's I hunt with a bow or blow gun. Uh, that's that's my area of interest. If a guy does not have the skill set to shoot a bow, but he still has the mindset right. that I have, I'll take him with a rifle any day. Right. Uh, you know, and a lot of guys are physically incapable of shooting a bow. And there's a million different reasons why a guy wouldn't do exactly what I do. Sure. But if he thinks like I think, me and that guy will probably have a lot of fun hunting. And what you mean by think like I think, yeah, what is your if, if he's If he's mindful of I want to go out here and, and be connected with the food that I take. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's no longer wanting to be a part of the system, eating the prepackaged meat yeah. from the store. If he really wants to understand where his meat comes from and learn to the butchering, you mm-hmm. know, and the whole process, yep. that's that's my game. That's my goal. I don't I don't take people hunting that don't want to process their own meat. If yeah, they don't, of want course. To, if they don't want to do that, then they don't want to do the first part. No, exactly. You need to, you know, pull in a trigger is one story. It's that's everything, the easy part. of course. It's then yeah, deal it's with the, the bloody work, carcass for the anybody, next three anybody hours. Anybody that's so. ever hunted knows that the work begins when the yeah. animal falls. Of course. So that's 
it's just a there's an overall appreciation of the the whole circle of life right there right it happens you know and you can see it on a lot of guys faces especially when guys have never actually done it if they've never had to take their own food right there's a real emotional connection that happens oh, that, sure that you can't you can't make that up and you know it's it'll change you it'll change of your course. life i think if you can't go out and take your own food and i'm not saying that you should every time sure but if you don't have the possess the ability to go out and hunt down some of your food or at least be on that and participate in it you should probably consider being a vegetarian right because there's a very there's a lack of an appreciation for life if you're like no you kill it yeah yeah of course no, no, if it's deflecting responsibility in that sense, it's a little weird, of course. It's kind of like, and I've seen it. I mean, I thought it was a parody, but I actually seen it in a bunch of discussion where people are like, what, that's barbaric. I get my meat the regular way at the grocery store. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, this person really said that. It's like, if, you, if you listen to it said and you start thinking about it, it's like there's a sociopathic training school going on where it's like, no, eat all this stuff with no feeling or connection exactly. what to it, what, yeah. you know, whatsoever. Do you get a feeling whatsoever? Like sometimes, because especially when you see, and I think it's, some of it is funny because it's completely arbitrary how it works. But, you know, if you see a gator, you're like, okay, the gator is basically a dinosaur with a brain about the size of a pea. There's, it's harder to relate to an alligator in that sense. When you have like a buffalo or something like what we would, what many of us would consider a cool animal, right? Yeah. An animal that you like, that's fuzzy, that's cute, that has something to it. And you just happen to put an arrow through him and you walk up to see the last breath. That's clearly, there's an emotional component to it that's interesting. How does it play out for you? Do you, and again, because in your experience you've done it so long, I'm sure it's different when you were, when you first started to now. Sure. I, I don't have as, as close of an emotional connection as a lot of people to where I don't necessarily cry and you mm-hmm. don't see me like shed a tear. Right. But I'll, I'll, if, if I've, if I walk up on an animal and it's in its last moments, there's, there's a moment of reverence, you know, that where like, let's be quiet or, or if you walk up and there's something that need, God forbid needs to be finished off, then you quickly, you know, right. Either put another round in it or something. You yeah. Know, you, you have to, you have to do something quickly. So, I mean, there's, there's a real connection with everything and it's, right. it's whether it's an alligator or a, rabbit mm-hmm. you know i don't care if it's furry or not it's, right <laughs> when when you know you're gonna eat it yeah you know it's and that you know most most animals when you kill them are around other animals you know so there's another aspect of like shooting something in front of its like yeah that's you a know, little that's yeah it can it's, be heavy. It's there's a lot you can get into a lot of different reasons why one would or wouldn't want to do it, but it boils down to if you eat meat, yeah, you know you, you need might to, as well do it. You need to figure out what this game is. Yeah, either go look at where they make the meat you eat. Yeah, which is or come that'll with finish me, that pretty yeah. quickly. Or come with me and look at how I get mine. Right, and then decide of how you want your hamburger to be raised. Right. No, definitely, and I think that's. Uh, all of these things are things that are so key in my mind. And I'm speaking from the most hypocritical point of view ever in this regard because I've uh, grown my own weed in minimal part, but I've found out I really suck at it. So there was that. Uh, I have, you know, I'm 
severely lacking in a lot of this department. The overwhelming majority of my food will come straight from a grocery store. Occasionally there's stuff that I'll have in the garden, but not a whole lot. The When it comes to a lot of things, it's like my theory and my experience are two very different things. And I think that partially I can and probably should beat myself a little more out myself about in order to match the theory and the practice a little bit more on another level i kind of understand why because if you grow up in the middle of some especially in italy where it's like you're so far removed from a lot of nature that it's crazy but you know you grew up we don't have exactly a lifestyle that makes this easy by any stretch of the imagination right. in the sense that none of this is ever brought up in school right it's like all of the things that were hitting on the relationship with food relationship with medicine, relationship with taking care of your own body, learning how to breathe, you know, all things that should be the basic arts on which education is founded upon. You know, this is the same thing as as you learn how to put two and two together, you learn how to put a sentence together in the language you speak, if English, if it, that's the one. That, you also should learn these things because they are basics of life. And when it's funny, when you consider how so much of education is essentially a waste of time, either in things they are never going to use in life or simply that, you know, it's more of a babysitting service than to keep those kids parking there for long enough hours, but what you actually learn is very minimal. Those are things that are key. And one of the ways in which I kind of excuse myself, or if not excuse, at least I give myself a partial pass, is the fact that there's nothing in my immediate surroundings that point even vaguely in that direction. Like every single one of these things is stuff that I have to go out and research like crazy and work like crazy, kind of in spite of where the current is going. I have to swim against the current for a mile to get any step in this direction. This is not a justification not to do it, because, hey, if that's where you are on the current, you might as well start swimming up or sure. then stop complaining. But at the same time, it's interesting to consider in terms of this is where modern life in a lot of places looks like we are so far removed from it that even to start taking the steps in the direction of kind of the way you live is a long way it's a pretty long journey yeah and there's a good possibility that where you live right now may not want you to live like i live right <clears throat> because if you if you start producing all your own food and you know how to make your own shelter and clothing is not a big issue today because thrift stores sell everything for a dollar yeah well you're a pretty independent person and you kind of don't need a lot of help from the government yep. from anybody yep you know and you can if you get really good at it you can almost start like taking care of enough people to where it's a noticeable number yep you know and that's that's never appreciated by larger organizations right that's always you're always either trying to start a, a cult or you know yeah of course no it's always interpreted in the worst idea or you know possible but to build off what you were saying where somebody grows up in an area where it's not necessarily an option yeah to do all those things mm -hmm. to where you you might educate yourself but in practice there's not not going to be a lot of practical applications in some places but what what you can hold, hope for and the one thing you can build is the want to want to yeah absolutely that is all you can ask people to have that's step one absolutely. if you don't even want to do it and this is not even interesting to you at all 
well, then there's a, a check that you need to pull on yourself of what matters. Yeah. How materialistic am I? How shallow right. have I gotten in this point in my life? But if you just if you have the want to want to, then that's enough. Yeah. Because at that point, you can be taught. You know? And I think that's part of the issue. You just said it perfectly. You can be taught. That right there, we're not just talking you live in a place where that's not taught in school. We're not just talking about you live in a place where, yeah, if you have a giant wig garden in the backyard, you may have legal problem. Or if you go out and, you know, which animal, you know, you have to go along. Not only those conditions, but even maybe, and I think that's true for a lot of people, they may not ever have met a single person in their life who has any skills in these departments. You know, they may have not had that kind of thing. So when you look for, okay, I, I'm interested, I want to try to figure it out, it's like, who do you ask? You know, who's your... Because like in anything, you need to have people who teach you. You need to have people who show you the ropes in order to get good at anything. Sure. You, know, you rarely ever... You don't exactly hear too many people who said, uh, I'm going to study MMA tomorrow, and they just stay in the room and study, and they come out and they are going to be UFC champion. It doesn't work that way. Right. And it wouldn't work that way. In anything. In anything. Exactly. So where would you turn? That's a great question. Uh, Get a book. Start reading. Yeah, I mean... That's better than nothing, but it's still damn difficult no, to separate. No, but I think it just to start, start filling in gaps is going gonna, is gonna to create more curiosity. And the next thing, you're going to go out and look. If you want to learn to grow food, you can learn to do it. You can go join a community garden somewhere and get your hands in the soil. Totally you know? true, but i give you an example. I remember back in, oh guess, I guess we're talking early 90s or something, where my participation into martial arts was getting a lot more intense. And I remember reading every other martial art magazine on the planet back when magazines were a big deal. And, uh, you know, the reality is I was developing a crazy knowledge of everything that's out there, names, things. Uh, I still did not have the skill to separate the crap that I was reading from the real deal. I couldn't tell, you know, you hear the story about this teacher, the story about that teacher. You see an application of this, an application of that. I still did not have enough of that practical experience to be able to sift the the crap from the good stuff. And, until, and I was literally talking about the very first step you can do is just oh no, get for it. Sure. Of course. And of yeah. course, that's I, how you... Green books ain't going to do it either. I would either, think but. a good baseline would be get out of the city and go to the forest and spend time in the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, just it, at first, before you think, let's go out here and start removing food from nature. Yeah. Go out there and spend time in it. You know, right. and just feel it. Yeah. Understand how little you get when you get one mile, five miles, 10 miles, 20 miles deep in the mountains. Right. You know, you really start becoming insignificant when the cell phone cuts off and when there's no other humans within yelling distance. And then when there's no other humans within a day's walk, you know, you start really understanding your place, especially if you travel to somewhere like Alaska or anywhere in the Pacific Northwest where you start seeing a few brown bears and the cougar population starts picking up and you start understanding, oh, okay. Those guys carry some weaponry that I don't have. Yeah. You know, the alligators down in the south where I grew up. It's spend time with them. You know, go out there. Listen to them. On the, sorry to take away from the poetic side in which you're going, <laughs> but the what you just said in the south where I'm from, I have to mention this because this is too good. When um, I first met you, because in a moment of, I guess in an ordinary moment for you, what would we consider a strange moment for most human you heard? 
you know, you had been in touch with Savannah back and forth and you heard about her fight and decided to fly out to see her first fight and you were there. And I remember meeting you afterwards. And granted, I was mildly hyped, so my perception was slightly off normal. But at one point when later said, oh, yeah, isn't he such a nice guy? And uh, did you check out his accent? And I'm like, and my question was like, what accent? What are you talking about? I couldn't hear any accent. That's um, when, you know, Daniele's on a adrenaline high when he can't hear my accent. Right. I can't hear his. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can't hear either of you. So I don't know what, what anybody's talking about. What accent are we talking about? Exactly. Yes. That's pretty funny, man. We are talking a little bit about the where people can go if they're interested in this kind of thing. So, I mean, as far as the breathing and all of that, well, there's Wim Hof. So yeah, you, you can, can go, go to, to one the of source. his seminars. Exactly. He has an online course, I believe. You have done the online one? I've done the online one. Yeah. I've got the book. Uh, I'm currently wanting to go to one of his seminars. Right. I'd really like to go over there and hang out. Yeah, of course. Sounds I'd great. Like to feel his energy as well. Yeah. Uh, well, like I was saying, the... You can you can get out in nature and do the breathing, you mm-hmm. know, and you can get out and interact with the animals. And if you decide to take that to like a like if you wanted to go to a next step and you wanted to learn to I like the old adage, teach a man to fish. Yep. If a guy wanted to learn to fish, uh the the group that or the company that I've always sent people to first is Land of Enchantment Outdoors out of uh Santa Fe, New Mexico. They're top notch no matter which scale you use to compare them to. Right. They are the best. And then there's another guy that if you really want to get uh, push yourself a little further and you want to see exactly where your limitations lie, mm-hmm. you can call a guy that's located in Larson Bay on Kodiak Island, Alaska, and he's running an outfit called Driftwood lodge driftwood wilderness lodge i believe his name is nick blanco and he has got a really excellent little uh little campsite going on where he's he's just basically trying to reconnect people and unplug people you know reconnect them with nature and unplug them from the buzz of civilization and society and everything else that gets in your way so if you want to get out and see kodiak bears that's that's, the way to go if that's your way to go you know if that's the if you want to see the ultimate predator you go see him. But if you just want to kind of understand what getting out is and having a good time and unplugging, there's a spot right there in Santa Fe that's good too. Excellent. Or, you know, for most people, there's, like I said, there's public land across America. And that's always a good place to start because you still own that. For a minute. For a minute. <laughs> I dig this, man. Anything else we want to touch on? I thought it was great. I appreciate what you're doing, man. And, healing people or even just helping them it's more helping them on their way out than anything isn't it these people are so sick we're all are there are there out. recoveries i mean is there a percentage for sure for sure There's could you always... tell a quick little story like that because we were very much like well so long uh, fella i can slow it down for a minute the, the easiest ones and the best ones to tell are like uh the the children or the kids that you see with oh, the what's that seizures? Like walking in that room oh yes yes where they unfold from their seizures from the first time six minutes five wow. minutes it's just like a so they're fully are they are they alert in there while they're locked in their bodies? They, yeah. So they know what's going on around them. You're just frozen because your body is. Yeah. yeah. I actually had a guy this this year that was having pretty bad seizures, and he could feel them coming on to the point where he could. It even got to where he could smell them and taste them 
coming on. Wow. Like a minute before, he'd be like, I can, you got to. coming. And you could, it was almost like his sugar was getting low because he was kind of spacey. He couldn't quite, but there was, he, he could tell, you know, yeah. and you could tell if you connected yeah. with him that he's starting to pull back a little. And then he would start doing the shakes and you would see him get into a full seizure. Well, when we put him on the oil, he would not have a seizure. And when you, in the rare case that he felt one coming on and you'd see him shake a little, he'd reach over there and he'd have a, a joint, you know, laying beside him. And he would immediately fire it up and hit it a couple of times and to lay it back down. And it would, it would leave him within three to four minutes. He would just stop and he would smile and that'd be it. Done deal. And now they're saying that it has similar effects on like Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, is this CBD or THC or both? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's when 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 you're dealing with something that's that's that affecting on the brain, you're going to need a wide full spectrum. Right. Makes sense. It's a it's it's amazing to watch. It, it's it's absolutely life changing, and for people that that have never seen it or that don't believe it or maybe skeptical that that'd be another thing like a bucket list is go sit by somebody that's sick and watch them take their medicine and sit there while they start feeling better and then take that feeling that you get after that and replicate it a hundred million times yeah let's do that you know, I had actually one more thing that I wanted to touch on because uh, we brought it up in private conversation. I thought it was really interesting, so it's something to touch on. One thing you said is that you grew up, like we're exchanging story regarding upbringing and attitude now toward money and acquisition and things like that. And one of the things you brought up is that you grew up really in deep poverty. And so one story that I thought was really interesting because I was asking, you know, why... I tend to, my approach would be, I like to be more financially secure because that does make me more generous simply because I have stuff to be generous with. Whereas when I have nothing, I have nothing, you know. And, but my approach is, shit, it was, it was so many jumping through so many hoops to get these dollars. Now I want to hold on to them so that I have a percentage that I can give away and be generous with. Your approach was very much, I got this much, I can give away this much. Mm-hmm. And that will mean that A, the universe will keep being this cycle or more will come in so more than can go out. B, it makes me... And one of the points that you made that was really interesting to me is that you said that the first time that when you started making money, you felt that you were turning into a person that you didn't like so much. Yes. So you did feel the need in some way to start giving away, not only as a good thing for everybody else, which of course it is, but also for yourself. The... The, the good that it does for other is a secondary benefit of me right. actually keeping myself as a better person. Why do you think that is that suddenly finding yourself with some money was, in which way was it making you a less pleasant human being? I felt like I was becoming a little more materialistic. I felt like uh, the money had changed me to a point to where, and it wasn't a lot of money, so I don't want anybody to think Sure, because, sure. No, I mean, but a lot of money is a relative concept, right? If you have nothing... Whatever is a lot of money to you you is what I'm I'm going to stress here is that if if it's a lot of money to you and if at any point you feel like it makes you 
set yourself apart from others because you have received this or because you started making it, then you need to stop. Yep. Stop that immediately because that is a terrible, terrible mindset to continue on with. And it makes people hoard money to the point to where uh, literally some people have too much money. Right. And so your cure for yourself has been one way to be less attached is just give away. I realized that like a lot of other people need money. Yep. Or they may not need money, but they need things that money can buy. Yeah. So I thought, well, shit, this is kind of a weird opportunity where I need to get rid of some of that stuff. Right. So I just started giving it away to the point as to where last year we give away all the food that we had mentioned, which which was hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. You know, and then we were able to buy a house trailer for a family. So they were homeless. They now have a house. You know, I mean, it wasn't like yeah. we didn't we didn't put them up in you know no, a monster course. house, but we were able to put a shelter on the, over their head. I saw a great notion recently. If we're so worried about a minimum wage, perhaps we ought to focus on a maximum wage. It's, I mean, there's got to be a point that's enough. Yeah, you've I done mean, very well this year, sir. You've broken our fifty-two million dollar uh, maximum wage. We congratulate you for that. It, but now. Maybe a maximum retainment. Yeah. You can reach the... I'm not for somebody making as much as they can make. Yes. But if you're just hoarding it, you know, if you're doing the... Scrooge McDuck. Let's throw some shade towards Mayweather. If you're just showing all your checks and saying, I've got another $100 million check that I haven't even cashed, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You are. And I would tell that to his face. We know you are. (laughs) Because it's... (laughs) You're the worst human if that is what you're posting up there and showing everybody. Right. You know, where you, you look at some of these other guys that are not as well known, don't have as much money. Let's let's throw that guy Justin Wren out there in the spotlight. Yeah, of wanna, course. If you want to see a true human that's making a difference in the world, you re- stop what you're doing right now and research Justin Wren. Wren, W-R-E-N. <clears throat> In case you're wondering. This, this guy has stopped being a professional fighter because somebody told him that there were 5,000 children in Africa dying of tainted water every day or lack of water. When you think about 5,000 a day, a month turns into a country. Yeah. You know, it's it's staggering numbers. And for somebody like him, who was just a big corn-fed white boy from the states and decides i'm gonna go over there and start digging wells and stop what i'm doing and when he ran out of money he came back and he fought and he went back and dug wells with that money i'm that's my guy <laughs> you know yep. i like those kind of, course. of people of course so it's just two examples of the two different ends of the spectrum of humans that are doing well with their self if if justin ran made a hundred million dollars on his next fight i would say kudos bro but if if Mayweather never had another dollar. I'd be like, that's probably what karma was giving him. Yeah, you know? No, and I think that's one of the things why people, why I admire and I'm intrigued with how it works in your brain. Because one of the things, even nice people, oh, one of the things that happen is that you're afraid of, uh, shit, if this leaves my hands, I don't know what's going to happen next. Is more going to come in? Will I be able to get it back where I'm comfortable again? Because there's a moment when you give where unless you give with a very clear limit of what you can give, if you start giving a lot more freely like you do, 
there is that oh shit moment where you're like it feels really good to give this away i don't know where the next one is coming from well if, um, if does if anybody? you if you give all your money away yeah but you still know how to provide yourself with food right you but still can good. take care of the shelter you know you're you're good you know right you know and it's another one of those things where you can you can always say, you know what? I remember how I made that money the last time. Right. You know, I've already done it once before. It's not like I'm trying something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 just a it's a more it's a more beautiful system that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because you have a lot more of solid dirt under your feet in that way. Sure. Because you know how to do that again. Yeah. And it's just a matter of going out and doing it versus some people's lifestyle for whom they may have been very successful in something but that was also predicated on 17 different things coming together at the right time in the right place and they are not really sure that they can replicate that yeah and that's of course is a very different kind of success because one if, is if you add on the fact that you know you've got to go to the grocery store and buy food and that's right. 17 dollars a pound for this yeah, and you yeah, have to get yeah. that yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of added pressure of course don't forget that rent check Oh, the tax. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a nice one too, isn't it? Yeah, you, you had all this figured out and then you forgot the tax. <laughs> well, my dear Robin Weed, we seriously hope that the sheriff of Nottingham never finds you and that you are able to keep doing what you're doing. I managed to crack up his. That's good. Isabella in the background cracked up. It's all good. Yeah, Sheriff or not, I mean, is an asshole, isn't he? He's if he shows up, I'll be prepared. I'm, I'm glad for that. I believe that. <laughs> Please say a bad word. Uh, he kind of is. I There's an to. edit. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel you. I never liked the Sheriff of Nottingham, which is why Robin Hood is one of my all-time heroes. But yes, my man, thank you so much. Thank you. That's brilliant. And I actually, there's a lot of these things that I want to pick your brain about for a long time because there are a lot of these things where I feel like, okay, step one, please push me the right way on step one on this issue, this other one, this other one, because there's a lot of them that you have gone, lots of paths where you have gone down that I think are really interesting for pretty much everybody to go down. And you do have the experience in many of these ones already. So that's quite a bit. We'll do it again. Deep, deep thanks. You guys have a good one. Well, the funky music means at the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. How about that? I need, uh, it's, I can't even say it. It's it's tough for me to tell you that a, a few weeks after this interview, uh, Robin Weed uh, was indeed uh, incarcerated when he returned to his home state. And uh, that's a bummer for everybody because this guy was really just about helping folks, you know, live a little longer, get a little healthier not live in misery in their final days. And uh, he's been taken away from us for a little while. So hopefully as uh, we learn more about his situation, uh, perhaps we can expand upon it and find ways to help him out and uh, help help with his defense. As we exit out, i got to mention one more time, the big three, Datsu Sarah, Onnit, 
and Sure Design T-shirts, who help us out so much in keeping our ongoing operations ongoing. For sure, Belela would love me for to mention the uh, Taoist Lecture Series. It's available on thedrunkendaoist.com. Various chapters on Taoism, and it's extremely interesting, and uh, I think you're going to dig it. Don't forget to go to our Amazon portal on our website, thedrunkendaoist.com. Jump through and do some of that holiday shopping inside of there, and uh, they'll break off a little piece for us. And finally, you got to thank our friends at Daisy House with the incredible theme song that really so perfectly captures the spirit of the show. They've been kind enough to, to, to let us use it for a long time now. You can go to Bandcamp slash Daisy House and buy their records and help them out and tell them thanks for being Drunken House supporters. All right, folks. We'll see you before too long. Bye. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary the thing? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. Dun, dun, dun. Got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Translate for me, please. I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.